Welcome to Open Hands, a podcast exploring spirituality, mental health, and the space in between. I'm your host and fellow wanderer, Sarah Nickerson. This week, Will Clegg talks about his rebellion against the Catholic Church as a teenager and what faith means to him in recent years. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, Will, to Open Hands. We're so glad to have you here today. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Um, so what story would you like to share today? So I'd like to talk about my, uh, I was going to say battle. I don't know if that's the right word, but I guess it's kind of a battle with Catholicism that I've yeah engaged in most of my life. Um, I grew up in North Carolina, which is mm-hmm. not really... Uh, place you might associate with Catholicism it's more of like the Protestant Bible Belt yeah that's where I was born yeah so um my mom though her family was originally from um well from Italy and then Brooklyn and then North Carolina and they're Italian immigrants so they're Roman Catholics and uh my father is originally from the south and he actually grew up wanting to be a Presbyterian minister and kind of got derailed from that in college and became a doctor instead but um he converted to catholicism when he when he married my mom wow and so you know we were a catholic family and uh so that's what i was born into yeah yeah and i mean just like any you know young child like you don't think about the religion that your parents bring you into right you just like you do it because that's just the way of the world and you don't know any better any worse or anything right 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 um so I was like, you know, I was in Sunday school uh, after church every Sunday. Uh, we went to church every Sunday. Um, very, I wouldn't say it was like a very conservative ch- Catholic church necessarily, but um, but we took it seriously. Like there was no like lackadaisical Catholicism in my house. You know? Right. Yeah. And uh, and my mom was always the most serious one about it. I mean, I think my dad is serious about it as well, but like not maybe the same degree that my mom is. And um. I think I was about seven or eight years old when one of our Sunday school lessons, they were building a new church. So we had this old church building and they started building this new massive building um, on the lot next to it. And the Sunday school teacher took us to, to visit the new building as it was being constructed, which as I'm saying, that seems like a pretty unsafe thing to take a bunch of children. Small children. uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I remember him standing in front of us all, and and telling us like this is where god lives in this in this in this building in this church and mm. and something about it just ringing false for me and uh and i couldn't like put my finger on it exactly yeah. but that was like where the seed of doubt started to grow yeah and then it just grew and grew and i didn't feel like it was something i could talk about with anybody really um my mom's faith is so important to her and just kind of like pervaded the family, you know? Oh yeah. So I was like this, you know, preteen and then early teenager who just like really didn't have the faith and like in, in Catholicism, I guess in particular, or maybe all Christian faiths, faith is like such a big thing, right? It's just like believing yeah. without knowing. And I just couldn't buy it. Like I just, I, cause as I learned more and more about science, like I started to, to question everything about the religion and, and my faith, I realized just like never really existed, mm. you know? And, uh, 
like it was like a little bit like Santa Claus or something. You know, it's like as soon as you realize that it's not real, then it's like there's no going back. And uh, and it's all it came to a head when I was supposed to get confirmed. So confirmation is like a big deal in the Catholic Church. You know, when you get baptized, your parents choose for you, right? And when you get confirmed, you choose for yourself that you want to be a part of the Catholic faith. And I, um, I just I didn't want to do it. Yeah. So at my church, they like a lot of my peers, they, they got confirmed like the age 11, 12, something like that before they really, I feel like they really had their own voice. You know, they just kind of did it because that's what you do. Right. Yeah. My church was like 15, 16, which, you know, for them is probably a mistake. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it was for me because it really did allow me to make the choice. Right. But my, my mom in particular, both of my parents didn't really feel like it was a choice I should be making. Right. Like they just felt like I should be doing it. Right. And I really rebelled hard at that point. Um, you know, I'm in the throes of just being an asshole teenager anyway. Yeah. And so I started going to Sunday school and I realized that there was no, it's, it's not like real school, right? Like there's no, they can punish you, but like it doesn't mean anything. Right. It's not going on your college application, you know? Yeah. Uh, like there's just no real repercussions. So I would go in. They would take the role, and then as soon as they were done taking role, I would stand up and just walk out. Nice. And I would go sit in the lobby for the rest of the hour. And it wasn't just me. Like, there were a couple other kids who would do this, too. And it, it pissed the teachers off so much. But, like, there was really just nothing they could do besides, like, tell our parents. And I'm like, you can tell them. Like, I already told them this is what I do. Yeah. You know? And uh, and it just got, like, kind of nasty to the point where like they just ask us not to come if we were going to do that and I'm like mm. perfect that's what I'm looking for right and uh and I didn't get confirmed you know at the end of the year and my mom just I mean, I've never seen her so upset about anything mm. and I think she felt like I know she felt like she'd failed me yeah because I chose not to do this right and uh and I have a younger brother who's two and a half years younger than me and him seeing me do this definitely influenced him to do mm. the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I just I never really like took the church seriously again after that. I uh, I would still go when my parents like made us go, you know, on Christmas, right. Easter, like those kinds of holidays, uh, which I still do now. You know, I still go if if they want to go as a family. It was. I mean, we'll get to that later, I guess, but it's a sort of yeah. a different um, vibe now. <laughs> right. But but back then I would I would go like very grudgingly, you know, it's mm -hmm. like only I would only go so as not to create a scene on a holiday. Yeah. And uh, I stopped taking communion and I would just like sit there stubbornly while everybody else goes up and, and takes the bread and drinks the wine and whatever. And, you know, my mom would give me this, you know kind of cold shoulder when she would come back from getting her communion and mm. it was just like this i don't know this strain in my relationship with my mom for like a very long time yeah and meanwhile i was starting to dabble in other religions philosophies uh in my like later years of high school because i hadn't like completely given up on spirituality i yeah. guess i didn't, yeah. I didn't want to anyway so we started reading um, like Rumi and uh, and Lao Tzu and, and all these poets, um, like ancient poets. So I started 
like looking into like you know uh sufi and islam and uh and then taoism and confucianism and like on all these uh these ancient religions that you know many people practice in other parts of the world buddhism you know yeah um and, and like many uh <laughs> 17 or 18 year old i i'm sure i think you know i thought like well i'll be a buddhist you know yeah. uh, not really understanding like what that entails but just kind of liking the general philosophy of it mm. you know after reading uh siddhartha or whatever so yeah um but i mean i did i took it seriously like i you know i had my copy of the Tao Te jing that i read all the time and and tried to like understand more deeply and um and i had my Zhuangzi books and uh and I really thought it was gonna be a Dallas for a while, but yeah, it just all felt like kind of inaccessible, I guess, you know, like mm -hmm. I could read the, these texts, but because there was no practice that I could really be involved in. And maybe that's just a, a byproduct of my being brought up Catholic where it felt like there had to be some, some physical location where we would meet, you know, to, to all pray together or, or learn together or whatever it is together. Right. Um, or, or some kind of like defined community. There was none of that. And so I don't know. It just never really, never really stuck for me. Mm. Yeah. That's gotta be hard. You know, I, I feel like, um, a lot of my clients who have been raised in really religious homes, there's always, uh, this pushback that comes, especially around adolescence, which is when developmentally you're supposed to be pushing back. I used to work at a uh, a residential home for 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 young boys, and my supervisor would always say, you know, like we'd come and we'd complain, we'd be like, oh, so and so, they're not following the rules, you know, they're giving us attitude, and my supervisor would always say, great, <laughs> like that's what they're supposed to be doing, like developmentally, like at that age, that's when you're supposed to be questioning, and pushing back, um, and trying to find your way, but our society as a whole really discourages that and and from it sounds like from what you said especially at least in the catholicism that you were raised in it sounds like questioning was not really uh, allowed or wasn't something that was viewed as a positive thing yeah i would say it's not really allowed i mean yeah. especially from you know from younger kids right um and it just it felt very like uh lonely i guess because mm. in the south like religion is so important to everybody yep you know like like new neighbors move in like the first question everybody asks is like well, what church are y'all going to right you know? yeah and uh and so it felt weird to not have that as a part of my life so many people that i knew had had been confirmed into their churches and, and still went and like even if they didn't really believe there was no pressure to like to believe or or, or make a show of it or anything so like they just you know went to church every sunday and and had their church community and I just didn't have that anymore. And then I, I left North Carolina to come to New York City for college. And uh that was the first time that I it felt like normal to to not really have a, a religion that I that I cared about. You yeah. know, um actually most of the people that I met and became good friends with in college were Jewish. Mm. And I didn't know any I think I knew I knew two, no, three Jewish kids growing up, uh, and none of them were particularly religious, right? So I didn't really know anything about their religion. It was more of like they were like culturally Jews, right? And then, uh, and then I came to New York and I met all these kids who had grown up in in really sometimes conservative Jewish households, right? Um, some going to like Jewish schools, 
And, uh, but they were all experiencing, you know, as freshmen in college where I just experienced like two or three years before that, like they were having their first real rebellion, like being out of the house, you know, not keeping kosher and, and, uh, and not even observing all the holidays. And like, it was just like, yeah, I connected to a lot of people through that. Um, and some of them have since returned to their faith, uh, to their Jewish faith in particular. I don't know a lot of people who have returned to their, you know, Catholic or Christian faiths (laughs) after leaving, but, but interestingly, I do know like several guys from college who, uh, as they got a little bit older and got interested in families, you know, they, they, uh, were sort of, you know, maybe pressured by family to, to marry someone Jewish and, uh, and those who did like tended to get more like back into the traditional faith as they had kids. Mm. And, um, that's been kind of interesting to watch my mom. I remember my mom telling me when I chose not to get confirmed that I would wish that I had later in life. Mm. Like it would be easier to come back to it if I did it. And I remember thinking at the time, like, no, no way. Like, I, like <laughs> yeah. it's just like an on off. Like it's a very binary thing for me. Like, yeah. Like I believed it up until I didn't. And then there was just no going back. And, uh, I mean, in this case, I mean, my mom's been right about, most things right but not this one like i've never really looked back and thought man i wish i'd done that because now i could find my way back somehow i've never wanted to find my way back yeah what has that been like with your mom since then um mostly pretty weird (laughs) we don't talk about it a lot you know um like even to this day it's a little bit strained around that particular thing like like right now i know she's having trouble with her church, uh, the same one that I grew up going to. Um, mm. She doesn't like the the people who run it. She thinks it's gotten too conservative because um, she's not a very conservative person, really. Like if you think about like liberals versus conservatives. Sure. Like she's actually, you know, very liberal, always been like a lifelong Democrat uh, and doesn't believe some of the more um, controversial things, I guess, that Catholicism tends to push, uh, which to me means like she's maybe like maybe Catholicism's not right for her. But right, it's right. all she's ever known, you know, for, you know, almost 70 years. So it's like um, she's not going to probably ever entertain like another denomination. But but now for the first time, she's thinking about leaving this church and going to a different church that's more uh, liberal, open minded, different Catholic church. I know this because my sister still lives in Charlotte and talks to her every day and gotcha. you know, talks to her about this stuff. Uh, she's never mentioned to me that she's thinking about leaving this church and I don't even really feel comfortable talking to her about it. Cause I feel like it's not my place. Right. You know? Yeah. Do you feel like, um, since you, I know you said you kind of, you dabbled in, you dabbled in Taoism and Buddhism. Do you feel like since, um, since then you've found a spirituality that works for you or, or something that works for you in terms of, uh like grounding or balance or anything like that <laughs> i don't know i don't think so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i I never really found like a like a kind of established religion or philosophy that really really spoke to me and lasted you know i think the closest thing for me is really uh science like science yeah. and, and astronomy yeah. in particular actually um like thinking about reading about studying uh, like deep space astronomy and like the origins of the universe and those kinds of things. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the closest thing for me, I guess. For sure. Um, 
I think, you know, for me at least, like religion seems to serve two functions for a lot of people. It's like um, kind of establishes a a moral code, you know, mm-hmm. like how to live like this life, and then the big thing, the even bigger thing, I think, is uh, how to think about death and mortality. Yeah. And uh, Catholicism, you know, really helped establish a good moral code for me. I can't deny that. I yeah. Mean, it, it really did. Um, but in terms of thinking about death, I think that's where it breaks down for me. It's, like, it's just like the idea of heaven. Right. And that uh, and that this life isn't the, the life that we have to be concerned about, you know? Yeah. I just never could really buy that. Mm. I think by, by thinking about our place in the in the larger universe, it helps me put in perspective kind of this the smallness of our lives. Yeah. Which uh, can be like really freeing, but also feel really uh, feel bad sometimes. Just kind of you can sink into a pit of despair thinking that you don't like really don't matter. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're less than a little grain of sand. Yeah. Um, in this vast universe, but. Um, I guess I've just found like some, I won't say comfort, but just like a place to, to exist comfortably, you know, yeah. where, um, where I can think about those questions openly and, and, and just be okay with not knowing the answers to everything. Yeah. Yeah. That openness is really important. And I think sometimes, um, the way that culture can shape religion and spirituality is that there has to be an answer, right? Like there has to be a right, there has to be a wrong, everything's black and white, you must believe or you must not believe, Um, and it doesn't leave a lot of space for the openness that you're talking about or or even in some cases for science, you know, like where there are are concrete examples of, of certain things. Do you feel like beyond sort of the morality of Catholicism or I guess how would you say it, it molded you like if you were to look back on that period of time and see how it shaped you as an individual for better or for worse you know what would you say I mean I think for better like in terms of like we were talking about like a moral code just, uh, like that golden rule you know doing unto others is want them to do unto you uh, yeah. and you don't need religion to learn that probably but uh, for me, it, that's the way I got it. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's hopefully made me a person who like seeks out, uh, you know, helping other people and and trying to be kind, uh, be kind first, you know. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, I feel like uh, it took me a long time and like to some degree I'm still working it out. Just uh, like feeling guilty about yeah everything good right? old like, catholic guilt yeah like the the whole idea of like original sin that you, that you can't shed you yeah. know um and uh and then confessing your sins because like god's constantly watching you you know right right um that 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 probably is the weirdest thing about catholicism to me still is the whole idea of of confession and then like you sit down and, and it's not even really um, anonymous, you know what I mean? But it's like, there's this sort right. of facade of anonymity and you confess all your sins and then you just like say a few prayers and you're cleansed. Yeah. I don't know. What, like that yeah. just always struck me as so bizarre. Yeah. Felt very unfamiliar to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and just, and not, not productive, I guess, right. you know? Right. Um, yeah. But I, so, you know, we know each other through storytelling and I, uh, I recently told a story at the moth, actually mm. the last one that I did before this whole pandemic uh, craziness that it was, it was really about a place and um, it's, it's called White Sands National Monument. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, I've never heard of it. It's in uh, southern New Mexico. And it's it's just like this vast, uh, I don't even know how many acres. I mean, just like this huge national park that's all just pure lily white sand. And I visited it on a road trip years and years and years ago and just I absolutely fell in love with the place. Like it's this almost otherworldly experience when you walk out into the dunes because all you can see anywhere around you is white wow. and blue sky. And uh, like it just feels like you're on the surface of another planet or something. And uh, I only got to spend a few hours there. And then I had to head off down the road because when I did this road trip, it was like before we had navigations on our phones and stuff. Like I had a hotel reservation a few hours down the road and I had to get there because like it would be such a pain to change it, you know? Right. So I, I found a way to get back there when a friend of mine was moving across country from LA to, to Charlotte. And so I decided I would drive with him if we could stop there. And we were kind of in a rush to get back to Charlotte um, for a lot of reasons. So we basically drove straight from LA to this um, little town called Alamogordo in New Mexico. It's like 14 hours that first day. Yeah. Uh, Got there late, you know, went to bed early uh, or like, you know, as soon as we got there basically, and then got up really early the next morning to go see white sands as the sun came up. And, uh, and this is like the, the part of the story that I think about a lot still. Uh, we go out into the dunes and it's just like, it's even more beautiful this time than it was before. Mm-hmm. And uh, like all the pinks and yellows and stuff reflecting off of the white sand. And it's just, I mean, it's stunning. Yeah. And I'm with my friend Phil and Phil is one of the few people I know. This is, I was 25, 24, 25 at this point. One of the few people I know who was like pretty religious still as a, as a guy in his twenties. Yeah. And he grew up Episcopalian and uh, he still goes to church every Sunday. Um, like not with his parents, like just on his own, like really into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows that I'm not into it at all. And actually he's connected with my mom in like a very meaningful way. Um, he's been living in Charlotte like prior to this. And, uh, and he and my mom like talk a lot about their faiths and, and just wow. like, like to the point where it kind of annoys me a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. The son she wished she had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels a little bit like that. And, um, and so we, and Phil's also like super, super talkative, like mm. the whole 14 hour drive. Like he's just talking, talking, talking. Uh, he's great, but like, it's a little much sometimes. Yeah. And, um, but this morning though, as we're sitting there, it's just silent. Like he doesn't say a word. I don't say where we just sit there. It's just like almost like meditating and just watching the dunes. And after a long while, he just turns to me and he's like, I get it. I get why you like this place so much. Mm. This is like your church. Like the mm. church is for me. This place is for you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Like I would have never found the words for that. Yeah. But he was exactly right. And, uh, and Phil actually became a priest. Like he ended up going to seminary. Yeah. And getting really serious about it. And uh, 
And then he started working at a church back in California. And now he works at a church in Cincinnati. And, um, and he was actually the, the priest at my wedding. Wow. Yeah. We didn't want to do a Catholic ceremony because my wife sure. also grew up Catholic, but also like lapsed, you know, although she like went to Catholic school, got confirmed, like the whole thing. Yeah. And our parents really wanted us to have a Catholic ceremony, obviously, but yeah. it just wasn't for us. And so the sort of compromise was that we would have a ceremony, but it would be Episcopalian and Phil would be the priest. Mm. And, uh, and it was awesome. I'm really glad that we did it. Like there was no pressure for me to pretend Mm-hmm. that it was something that I didn't want to, you know, whatever, like, cause there, there's always that, like if you go to church as an adult with your parents, like they yeah. are really into it still. Like you have to sort of pretend like you are too. Yeah. Or you're supposed to at least there's none of that at our wedding. It's like everybody knew the score and it was, and it was wonderful and lovely because of that. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me though. Well, because there is like, you know, we, I talked about that with Devin in our last podcast, but that's always a reoccurring theme with people is is that authenticity is such a huge part. It has to be a huge part of spirituality for it to be genuine because if, if there is um, like a level of force there or if there's sort of a pushing on from someone else, there's there's no way for you to have an authentic experience because it's just what somebody else wants for you. And it also detracts, you know, like as you experienced with your mom from your relationships because you you weren't able to authentically, you know, be who you were when you were a kid and it sounds like to some level even now. Um, and that's really hard. And I'm sure that that uh, can sometimes feel, yeah, like lonely or isolating for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, now I feel like I got to I got to call my mom and ask her about this changing churches thing because Yeah. <laughs> I probably already should have asked, you know, but uh like one of them's going to listen to this podcast and be like, "Why didn't you ask about it?" <laughs> Cuz I know it's really just all in my head, you know? Yeah. Well, why is that important to you? Because it's important to her, you know? I mean, it's not important to me. Yeah. Um really. Um I just, I, I know it's important to her that I want to hear like what she's, why she's planning to do it. Like what it, it means to go to a new church for her, like those kinds of things. Yeah. But, um, that's, that's really why I want to talk about it. But Yeah. Do you feel like it's easier for you to talk about it now? Because there's, you know, there's more of a sense of, of separation from it. Like you feel like you kind of have your own life and your own space to be able to, to then like greet her in a way that is authentic for you. Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, now I still do go to church sometimes when we're back at home and on a holiday or something and I don't make a fuss about it. And yeah, I don't take communion because it's not now it feels different now. Now it's not like, you know, I don't want to do that. It's just that it doesn't feel authentic. Yes. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't want to like, it doesn't feel like right for me to do it in that place where everybody else is doing it because they're a part of that and I'm not. Right. And, and it's just a different, it's a different kind of no, I guess, you know? Yeah. But I'm happy to go. Like, I don't mind spending an hour with my family while they pray and do all their things. Like it's, it it does feel strange now, like not going very often to hear like the singing and the praying and it all just sounds more foreign. Whereas like when growing up, it felt totally natural. Now it seems like, bizarre you know like it would right. feel if you went to like a mosque or something not having ever been to one right uh 
but I don't I don't mind it anymore. Like I'm happy to go if that's what my mom wants us to do as a family. Yeah, well, it's even like your your friend who became the priest. Like he found a path for him that worked well and you could hold space for him in that in the same way that it sounds like he held space for you um and and recognizing especially the beauty of that one place where it felt like your church like for him to be able to recognize that and step into that with you um is very meaningful right because there's there's in that moment you guys weren't a priest and you know a a, an individual who had you know lapsed on the catholic church you were just two human beings having this spiritual moment together that sort of crossed the lines of religion or what spiritual spirituality meant to each of you yeah that's right you know now i think about it more like phil has really sort of served as like a bridge for me yeah to be able to at least like be open to talking about catholicism and, and christianity again because I think before I really knew Phil, I didn't know any adults besides my parents who I could talk to about religion and I couldn't really talk to my parents about it anymore. Yeah. Um, but Phil's always been like just a very open person, like happy to challenge people's views, have his views challenged without getting upset about it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Phil's got a very, I, just, I think unique perspective, um, where he's, uh, he's just not like a lot of the Southern, um, Protestants, I guess that I knew growing up. Yeah. Uh, a lot of whom who preached like, you know, brimstone and hellfire and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, he, his whole message always is just like about love. Mm. Like Jesus is love for him. And that's all he really wants to talk about. And, uh, and like, I can get behind that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm never going to join his church. Because I don't really like believe in some of the tenets of it, like yeah. Jesus is the son of God and that kind of thing, right? right? But I do really appreciate his message and the fact that that I, you know, able to at least absorb that much of it and be a part of it in that way is good enough for him, I think, too. Yeah. Like he never pushes it on me. Um, but when I when I do talk to him about especially like things going on with my family, like it, it's all about love for him and then I like that Christianity can be that way because yeah. I feel like it's often not, um, mm. at least in the examples I've seen in my life, you know? Yeah. What if you, you know, if you were to go back and in looking at your childhood and, and sort of the Catholicism that you were raised in, how would you have liked it to look differently? I mean, it's something I definitely think about now is my wife and I start to think about having our own family. Right. And, yeah. You know, like how would we... <laughs> How would we raise those kids? You know, we haven't even really had that discussion um, in terms of like religion. And I don't know, because I don't know how I feel about it really. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I said before, like, you don't necessarily need a religion to establish that that golden rule, right? Or, But like, it definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. It provides sort of a, it can, or it can provide a structure from which to sort of jump off. I definitely can relate to that because, you know, I was raised, you know, Christian. My parents were, um, they would fall more into the Pentecostal sort of Christian category, but they raised us in a non-denominational church. And there were a lot of things about my Christian upbringing that were very damaging for me, especially around mental health and sort of this idea that we had to be this like perfect loving person who, 
you know, never had, you know, strong emotional reactions or never um, did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing. Um, and some forms of Christianity are also very self deprecating like there's almost sort of a sense of like well i just can't do anything right um Mm. and sometimes i think that contributes to that mental health narrative you know like the sin um the sin mentality it kind of uh can really get to to the heart of how you think about yourself um but like i also can't deny that my the christian community that i was raised in gave me a sense of community and it gave me sort of a sense of direction, like you said, in terms of helping people. I don't know if I would be in the profession I am if that hadn't been um, introduced to me, you know, from a young age. Uh, And it also like put a seed, um, you know, within me for, for some form of spirituality and learning more about that and, and has given me a place to kind of ground my feet when things got hard. But I I know for myself, um, it was very hard to feel alienated or isolated. Like I was the only one, like you said, that um, maybe was experiencing some of the questions I had or the challenges I had. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm watching very curiously as my sister and brother uh, raise their small children now, and yeah seeing the choices they make actually Carrie and I, my wife, Carrie um, and I became godparents to my sister's yeah. firstborn, her daughter. Nice. And, uh, and that was in the, the Catholic church that I grew up in. So we like flew back for that and, you know, for the baptism and there was like a little bit of pretending, you know, that we still yeah were part of the church for that. I think they kind of, um, swept it under the rug a little bit since my mom had been a member of that community for so so long yeah and like a very active member of the community like she does all kinds of outreach stuff through the church like taking or you know doing hospital visits for you know parishioners and that kind of thing so I think they just were like all right well it's Gina's kid so it's fine right yeah uh, like technically I don't think we should have been allowed to or I shouldn't have been allowed to be the godfather of uh of my niece in that ceremony because i never got confirmed i don't go to a church now yeah like based on the religious tenets right, or like, yeah like the strict rules of it yeah um so we had to pretend a little for that day but i never really hesitated like as soon as my sister asked if we wanted to do it i'm like yes of course like it's such an honor yeah because to me it's not really a religious role mm. you know but uh i mean i know it it has religious underpinnings and meanings to a lot of people, but I guess not to me. To me, it's more of like an honorific um, kind of like, you know, we're the ones who are going to watch over this child. And, and if anything happens to my sister and her husband, then, you know, we would step in. Well, and it's interesting, too, because if you go back to what you were saying about your your friend who's a priest and sort of his um, his pull towards the love that is like the underpinning of who Jesus was and and what Christianity is, you know, if you view it through that lens, then that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Like there's always, I think that's the hard part sometimes with religion is that there is this separation between the secular and the sacred. Um, I had a professor in grad school and he used to say, all truth is God's truth. 
meaning that like whether you yeah are like believing in science and like the way that you know the earth was created or or medicine or um like whatever like there is there's no separation between secular and sacred and it's it's you know religion kind of sometimes can take that and jumble it all up and can be you know exclusionary in in some ways but um you know essentially you're doing for your you know is it godson or goddaughter the goddaughter yeah goddaughter which is is you know you're doing really what <laughs> what they would want you to do it's just without the um like the the rules around it it sounds like yeah yeah i mean that's how we try to view it you know um like I said, we never hesitated in, in deciding to do it. And I think after we said yes, there was this moment of like, well, crap. <laughs> well, it's like, it's almost like, is, is this legal? You know? Yeah. I mean, I know it's legal, like in the state of North Carolina, but like, is it legal according to the Catholic Church? Like, am right. I going to get busted and this is going to be a, like a controversy for my family? But it seemed pretty quickly like that wasn't going to be an issue. So I was like, well, if it doesn't bother you, it definitely doesn't bother me. <laughs> Yeah. I love it when I meet really I've I've similar to you, like more recently I've had the the great privilege of meeting more religious leaders who are um just way more like open and inauthentic in the way that they're they're leading their church or their synagogue or their mosque or whatever. Um and that openness creates so much more space for spiritual development than religion often does and i always find that to be so curious that like somehow people or organized religion can miss that mark so much um and do the opposite thing of what it is they're trying to do which is like bring you know bring people in or share the good news or whatever it might be i actually had an extraordinary experience in 2012 and 13 that was uh so I got engaged in 2012 mm-hmm. and like two days after we got engaged, North Carolina passed a law to add a constitutional amendment that outlawed same sex marriage. Mm-hmm. And I was living in New Jersey. North Carolina is like, I mean, it's where I grew up. It's a big part of my heart, but it's not a big part of my day to day life, you know? Sure. But seeing that in the news, like especially right after I had gotten engaged just suddenly made like my you know privilege really stand out to me yeah and uh and another friend of mine who's who grew up in North Carolina uh we decided to make a a documentary about like basically people's feelings and reactions to that Mm. so we went and filmed for six weeks in North Carolina like all over the state talked to I don't even remember how many people like you know more than 50 different people about it and a lot of them were religious leaders and i just never really talked to a lot of pastors before right so it was just super interesting to talk to all these people of of different faiths you know we had a rabbi we had um of course we had our you know catholic representative um i talked to my uncle who was a southern baptist minister Mm. for a long time he's now a presbyterian but uh he also he's a son who's gay my cousin and so he talked about that. I mean, we talked for like an hour and a half about that. It was like one of the most fascinating conversations of my entire life. And I have it on film, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and uh and just hearing like all these different people especially these religious folks you know views and we talked to some people who are like the kinds of kinds of pastors that you read about in the news who think that like you know gay people should all be like locked up or you know that sort of they're worse you know yeah talk to some of them too and um just talking to all of them in that six month period really opened up my eyes and my heart a lot I felt to a lot of different religious views but also just feeling like there is a lot of space to operate that's not just like catholic or not catholic Mm -hmm. which is kind of how I viewed my life to that point in terms of Christianity. Well, I mean, that makes sense, too, because there was an element of that, like, you know, which, you know, for your parents was just that they were doing what they knew to be authentic for themselves, right? So, like, it wasn't this, like, I mean, you would know better, but it doesn't sound like it was this great ploy to, like, make you miserable and, like, no, hate no, your life. No, of course not. <laughs> you know, like, no, they, no. they thought that they were doing the right thing and the thing that had, you know, been with them and had guided them with in their life. Um and spirituality is such like a, a special thing that we have to be so careful in the way that we tread into other people's souls. And and there is a lot of space there. But unfortunately, what happens is that, yeah, we create distance um, where oftentimes there's a lot of overlap um, or even agreement, especially across, you know, world religions and, and different forms of spirituality. But we have to be willing to have those conversations and i think that's where a lot of people stop yeah that's true and and you know that whole film that i we never really finished it um it's super interesting to think about now because it was all just conversations yeah and that was kind of why we never finished it because it wasn't really a film i think i realized after a while it was it was just kind of a series of conversations that uh doesn't work as a documentary film yeah and I, I crafted some of it into like these little shorter five minute pieces that are kind of centered around, uh, you know, one question from our uh, conversations. But, but just thinking about it now, like, yeah, those, those very conversations are so important. Like, I don't know, maybe I need to, maybe I need to resurrect that project a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I did this, um, this past year I did a, a spirituality and social work program at NYU and we did something called the it was called the circle of insight that our professor Anthony Nicotera had designed and it was basically a way of of how to have healthy conversations around issues of politics religion spirituality because from forever we're taught like don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics like those are like the two things that were like just don't do it because it's only going to cause discord and a lot of this class was was you know unpacking that and and trying to uncover um, you know a different way of of relating to people and and one of the first steps is that when you're having a conversation with somebody who may have a different background from you is that you have to really um, prepare yourself to be open you know, part of the process is really learning how, how to go into those conversations with an openness and a desire to understand and empathetically feel and, and, and try to resonate with what the person is telling you. Um, I mean, part of the reason that we never really finished that project was that uh, it ultimately felt like we were trying too hard to make it unbiased. Mm. Um, and it's tough to do that when you're talking about 
point two points of view that are not really morally equivalent. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of the conversations were not, I mean, some of them were really interesting and they were about like the sort of nature of our faith and what marriage means and that kind of stuff. And that to me was right. the most interesting thing. But when you really got down to it, like what we were there to talk about was same sex marriage. Yeah. Why do you think it should be legal? Why do you not think it should be legal? And the people who were arguing, you know, saying same sex marriage should be illegal. I don't know. My heart's only so open to that. Of course. <laughs> you know I mean? it, it wasn't even like, I think the hardest thing about it was is that it just felt kind of irresponsible in the end to to publish like these views of some yes. people who were like frankly extremists yes um even though there was counterpoint to everything they were saying it just felt wrong to give them a, a platform yeah. at all yeah. in some cases there are some people we talked to actually who were just like who were very reasonable open-minded um you know could have even changed their minds by now about it uh, like you could see the the cracks in their arguments. They could see them. Like those are some interesting conversations, but there were others that were just like, I, I just could never feel good about putting this person yeah, in a, in a film or a, a little short video or whatever it is and putting it yeah. out into the world. And, um, and, and those people were, you know, unfortunately by and large, like super religious. Yeah. Well, and then again, that's like you stepping into your own, your own sense of authenticity right of like not sharing something that doesn't align with what you feel to be um true or right and in a larger context isn't i mean quite frankly true or right and and trying to um you know have that conversation but also limit uh sort of the exposure of it yeah well thanks for you know for sharing today you offered some really wonderful things i know that a lot of people are going to you know, relate to your story. I certainly did. That's for sure. Uh, and we appreciate you being on here today. Is there anything else that you want to share? No, I don't think so. I just really appreciate that you're doing this because like you said, like the, there's not a lot of space to talk about religion and politics, right? Um, like we're not supposed to talk about those things. Although in this, you know, era of Trump, everybody likes to talk about politics now all of yeah. a sudden, but but it's never like a good conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just people screaming at each other. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, it's hard to have conversations like this about religion too, I think. And so I'm just really glad that you've created a, a space for that. Yeah. I'm really, I mean, I love hearing people's stories and um, getting to hear like what is meaningful to people and why. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were able to be here. Do you have anything you want to shout out? Sure. Yeah. I'd like to shout out my, um, online storytelling show, uh, called Woo! awkward teenage years. It's uh, a show where we talk about, tell stories about our teenage years. Obviously most of them are pretty awkward. Yes. Um, trying to get you to come on and, and do a yes. story on the show sometime yes. soon. Yeah. <laughs> We've done six of them so far. This is late May. I don't know when this is going to come out, but, um, we're going to start doing, I think two shows a month for the rest of the summer and Hopefully someday soon we'll be able to do live storytelling again and find a home for the show in New York City somewhere. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you, Will. I'm so glad to both have you as a friend in my life and as a guest on the show. I'm super grateful, you know, just so everybody knows, Will has been a huge help in the podcast area for me. And if not for you, I definitely would not have been able to get any of this up and running. So 
very grateful for your time and, and for your presence here today. Sure. My pleasure. All right. Have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. Hands is produced, hosted, and edited by Sarah Nickerson. Theme music is by Sleeping at Last. You can find Open Hands on Instagram at Open Hands Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and be well. <laughs>